Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, Tom will take a look at how play got on in its first few months, while I recap our webinar with Tony Douglas. I'll see what major changes have been going on in the world of the A380. I know, a big surprise there. (laughs) While Joe explains why I'm slightly jealous of her. Finally, Tom will tell us about a fun livery spotted in Toulouse. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I kind of wanted to steal your topic this week. Um, And because you're on holiday, I wrote about play. (laughs) (laughs) Makes a change. (laughs) Mm. Um, But yeah, so they did their uh, first half results at the end of the month. And, you know, it looks like things are going well for the airline. So in the first month of operation, uh, play carried almost 100,000 passengers. So they carried 9,899, so just a bit shy of uh, 10,000, sorry. Um, But, you know, they they met their fundamental goals, which were just to make sure that they were operating safely and reliably and that customers were happy. Mm Mm-hmm. They did see a little bit of a dip in what they were expecting because COVID-19 cases rose a bit in mid-July. But, you know, things got better in August. So they carried more than uh, 17,300 passengers last month. Although its load factor is still a little bit low. It was 41% in the first month and that rose to 46.4% last month. So, you know, there's still some seats on the plane that can be filled. Um, what I do find interesting, though, and I think you'll like this story, Joe, is that um, they've got three of their A321neos so far, and all of these came from Interjet, the Mexican yeah, carrier. That that's right. Is no more. Um, they want well, more. Well, it, it sort of is still there, yeah, but is, not officially. <laughs> it doesn't have its airplanes. <laughs> um, so yeah, they want more airplanes, which is unsurprising. And they signed a couple of letters of interest. So they're expecting two A320 NEOs uh, in March 2022. And then there's another letter of um, intent, but that one's a bit more exciting. So they're expecting three more A320 NEOs and an A321 NEOs. All four of these aircraft are sort of being eyed by spring 2023. But what's interesting about these is that rather than being sort of secondhand from a lesser that's already given them elsewhere, these are going to come straight from Airbus in the play livery. So we're going to see the play livery dotted around Toulouse now. That is interesting. And I guess this will be the first opportunity to see how they're going to configure the jets that they have Mm. their own kind of cabin to sort out on. Because the Interjet ones have got huge amounts of legroom. I think it's like Mm. 34 inches of pitch at every seat. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Play's having some nice big legroom on its low-cost flights. But actually, that's just how they arrived and they Mm. didn't really have any say in it. So I'm wondering how many many seats they're going to go for. Such a low load factor, you (laughs) know. no, it doesn't. But uh, mm. <laughs> let's uh, let's wait and see on that. So they're coming yeah. next year, are they? They are. All these planes are coming 2022, 2023, and they want a fleet of 15 by 2025. And that's because they're going to do something quite exciting next spring. So, you know, at the moment they've been doing... Um, the European network, and it's not really practical to fly from London to Berlin via Iceland, so they haven't really seen any sick freedom traffic. Right. That's all set to change because next spring, the airline's going to launch its flights to the west with its new North American destinations. And we still oh, don't know exciting. exactly 
we don't know the plans exactly, but um, it's coming. I could hazard a few guesses. <laughs> yeah, not Los Angeles, though. No, <laughs> that would require a wide body and they're not going mm. there. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. So did they yeah. make a profit? Um, I don't believe they did, but I mean, it's not surprising because, you know, no airline makes a profit when it first starts. No, absolutely not. Well, it sounds like everything else is going really well. Mm. So I wanted to recap briefly um, what we talked about with Tony Douglas, who I'm sure our listeners will know is the um, chief executive officer of the Etihad Aviation Group, uh, which includes Etihad Airlines and a bunch of other things as well. But uh, obviously, you know, I was keen to talk about the airline more than anything else. So that's Hmm. largely what we did talk about. Um, So to address the elephant in the room to start with, um, of course, we talked about the A380 and uh, not wanting to steal your thunder too much. Tom but uh, he said quite simply it's got two engines too many Um, Mm. and he reckons that Etihad can fly two and a half 787s for the same cost as flying one A380 Mm. Um, so you know in terms of money it just doesn't work and as we know you know it's, it's been widely said that they are indefinitely gone from the Etihad fleet Um, and I I loved the way he put it he said that he knows the customers love it um, but he said and I quote we are not a registered charity (laughs) so essentially Hmm. profit has to come before popularity with this aircraft Um, but the bottom line was never say never Um, it's it is off the books indefinitely but you know he kind of said if demand comes roaring back he hasn't completely ruled out bringing it back Um, but I'll let you talk more about A380s later on. Let's uh, move on to other Etihad topics because in terms of the the pandemic and the 2020 impact, it's been a a very difficult period for Etihad. You know, they should have been going into their best year ever and instead they were faced with grounding the entire fleet for several weeks there. So, um, you know, they've been keenly adjusting their strategy to make money wherever they can. Um, And he said, you know, right now they're planning their schedules like week to week rather than several months ahead. And Mm. actually, you know, he said that agility is something they're going to try and hold on to longer term, you know, to fly the capacity where they're seeing the bookings ticking up. And he thinks that's a good longer term strategy. Um, with the Dreamliners as kind of the backbone of the Etihad fleet now, um, they've been doing lots of cargo missions, um, as have many other airlines, you know, with the, the loss of belly hold space, it's been a very lucrative arm of any business. Mm. Um, but it's let the airline restore most of its network really quite quickly. And although they might not be flying many people above the wing there's plenty of stuff below the wing that's actually covering the cost of those flights um but interestingly and I, this had completely escaped my notice until he raised it they've been chartering their 787s and a3320s as private mm. hire jets i mean how cool is that I'm, I'm assuming i'd need another mortgage to um, take one of their dreamliners for a spin but uh, you can literally go on the etihad website and fill in a form and get a quote for your um dreamliner or your a320 for private hire uh, which is pretty cool and some really out of the box thinking for for the Mm. airline I think Um, and actually you know he said it's contributed a sizable bit of revenue to its books which is great 
Um, so looking into the future, the A350s, we'll all be pleased to hear, are definitely on the way. They're um, very committed to those. As we know, they were kind of ready to be delivered back in 2019, but they got flown straight to storage and they've been sat there ever since. Um, but they've been starting to ferry to Abu Dhabi this year. I think there's two over there at the moment. Mm. Um, and since they arrived, they've been having their cabin fit out at Etihad Engineering. Um, and he's hoping that they'll be entering service next year. Obviously, this is dependent on demand coming back. And I guess, you know, we won't see those big jets flying until there is enough demand to support them. But, uh, you know, he said he's been on one that's had its cabin done and it's really cool and we're really going to love it. So I can't mm. wait to, for the big reveal of whatever cabin products they've put on there. Um, and perhaps demand is coming back because they're already expecting a big surge in travellers visiting the UAE, kind of starting this week. Um, because the government of Abu Dhabi announced that they would remove the quarantine requirement for all international arrivals as long as they're fully vaccinated. And that kicked in last Saturday, September the 5th. Um, you still require your pre-departure PCR test. Um, but, you know, essentially Abu Dhabi is open to vaccinated travellers, which is great news. Hmm. Um, and with regards to other aircraft, you know, he said there's still no clarity on when the 777X will deliver. And he actually said he was quite sad because on paper, it's a really incredible aircraft. Um, but, you know, there's no firm delivery window and he's a bit disappointed with that. But, you know, I think reading between the lines, it's probably a good thing because I'm not sure he really wants any enormous hmm. aircraft right at this very moment in time. Um, we did talk quite a lot of about sustainability, which is one of Mr. Douglas's favourite topics. Um, you know, Etihad's doing loads in terms of trying to meet its sustainability goals and trying to decarbonise its operations and reduce weight. A lot of its carbon reduction is going to be coming through this kind of lean, very dreamliner-focused future strategy. Um, mm. But there are loads of other interesting projects going on as well. And, and the one that he told me about that was really interesting was that they're using artificial intelligence and ma machine learning to reduce contrails during long-haul flights. Um, that's not something I've heard of any other airline really being involved with. So hmm. they, they use kind of data points related to pressure, temperature and weather patterns to adjust their flight paths to limit condensation um, because, you know, the clouds generated by planes contribute, obviously, to global warming. And, uh, you know, I think that's really interesting. I, I'd love hmm. to know more about how that works. Um, but essentially, the future is looking pretty good for Etihad. You know, they've, they've had a bit of a wobble, um, but they're already back to 65 routes, although they're flying with some sort of 40% load factor similar to play. Hmm. Um, but he said, you know, Air Arabia Abu Dhabi is performing better than expected and, you know, geared up with a fleet of, I think it's one of the world's biggest fleets of 787s, actually. I think 2022 is looking like it's going to be a pretty good year. Hmm. Well, that's positive. Um, it's 2021 is going to be a good year for their rivals, though, I feel like I should say here, because... Um, I was going to start by talking about Etihad's A380s, but <laughs> maybe I should talk about their rivals instead. So we had quite an interesting announcement this week, uh, or last week, sorry. And you know it's an interesting announcement when it gets me out of bed at um, 8.30 to start <laughs> writing a story. Basically, what's happened is that Emirates has brought forward its deliveries of the A380s. So, you know, it was always the plan that it would take... Um, I think it was fr uh, two this year. They had five left. It was going to be two this year and three next year. But, you know, demand is coming back and Emirates has thought, wow, customers love our premium economy cabin. We need more of it. 
Okay. So rather than spending a lot of money uh, refitting aircraft that are grounded at the moment or just flying, um, the airline thought, well, we're going to take three new A380s next year anyway, which come with the premium economy on board. Why don't we just take them now? Okay. Um, so that's quite exciting because the last A380 and the last A380 ever to be delivered new now is going to come in November, which is also when the Dubai Air Show is. So I'm kind of hoping that there might be a tiny bit of crossover there. Oh, maybe. <laughs> um, it's it's a bit sad, you know, because it does mean this is it for the A380. But, you know, the plane isn't going to go anywhere soon because... These new ones, you know, Emirates isn't going to just bin them. They'd, no, be no like they'll be flying for a long time. Yeah. Well, I mean, they told us during our other webinar <laughs> that um, it's going to continue flying until the mid 2023s, uh, 2030s, even. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope the mid 2023s, that's only two years ago, away. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it turns out premium economy has been better for the airline than we anyone thought. And that means it's good news for the Emirates A380. It's sadly not so good news for the British Airways A380 at the moment. Um, we do know that they're very committed to it with their maintenance contract that we talked about before. And Sean Doyle has said many times it's coming back. It's just a question of when. Yeah. The question of when may have shifted slightly. So as far as the British Airways schedule was concerned, and you could check this by going on BA.com at the time, the airline was in the schedule. The aircraft was in the airline schedule in October, November, December, January, February, March, April, yeah. etc. Last week they took it out of the schedule completely for the winter 2021 season. Oh. Um, so it's not currently booked for any flights until March 2022. And I guess it could still be pulled then. I mean, I think when we saw it on the, the winter schedule, it mm. was quite dubious. You know, we were like, mm, yeah. that probably won't be there come the winter. And uh, I yeah. guess that could happen again for next summer, unless this I mean, demand well, yeah. does come flying back. It's. I think I wouldn't read anything too much into this firm date of March 28th, I believe it is, or 26th, because, mm -hmm. you know, if there's a huge demand suddenly, they're not going to say, all oh, right, we're not going to bring it back now because we said we wouldn't bring it back until 2022. And vice versa, you know, if demand still isn't quite there, they will just push it back again. So basically, I think the advice is don't book to be on an A380 for the time being, unless you're booking with <laughs> um, Emirates. Um, yeah. But it's coming back. It's just a case of when. But back to the sad news, there's possibly another A380 that won't come back. Oh dear. So I've been doing my um, sort of usual Twittering this morning and all this, and I discovered that it seems Lufthansa is preparing to send its last A380 from Frankfurt to storage. Oh, that's uh, sad. Apparently, uh, according to reports, Mike Hotel is scheduled to leave on Tuesday, September 14th. And that is sad because that will be the last uh, Lufthansa flight to leave Frankfurt. Then all of the aircraft will be either at Tarmac Aerosave in uh, Tyrell or in Lourdes, France. So what does that mean? Well, it basically means if Lufthansa decides to pull the plug, this will be the last ever Lufthansa flight. And it looks almost certainly, or Lufthansa A380 flight, there'll be many more Lufthansa <laughs> flights, we hope. Um but it basically means all of the aircraft are going to be at a position in the world where they can easily be disposed of. So it's kind of sad because Carsten Sfor has said quite 
unambiguously the A380 isn't coming back, although it's not officially been scrapped by Lufthansa yet. It's still in their quarterly reports in the fleet data. Um, so, you know, he has said the A380 obviously will not come back. We're just kind of waiting for it to become super official. But, you know, if the CEO of the airline says something, it's kind of... <laughs> Basically, yeah, that's a decision made. Yeah. <laughs> they just um, haven't written it down yet. Yeah, so it's a bit sad because that means this is probably going to be the last ever Lufthansa A380 flight, but I will be sure to get down there with my camera, get photos for simple flying and the internet. <laughs> Fingers crossed for a sunny day and not a horribly mm. cloudy day like it was when BA retired at 747s. Mm. <laughs> Oh, well, that's uh, sad and happy news, I suppose. But yep. uh, to move on to a, a lighter subject, <laughs> I got to go on a plane last week. <laughs> oh, I'm so, I would be so jealous if I wasn't flying this week. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I worked it out. And unless I've missed something, I had 520 days without a flight, mm. which is just insane. Um, but Does not thanks compute. to <laughs> No, I know. It's just crazy. But thanks to Embraer and how Airways, I had the opportunity to go on a bit of a joyride, um, which involved being in Zurich in Switzerland and then coming back on the beautiful Embraer E190E2. Um, so this was in celebration of the very first commercial flight of an Embraer E2 into London City Airport. Mm. Um, so we know that E190E2 received its certification to fly into London City. Um, I think it was back in May. It was a fair few weeks ago anyway, but none had been operated. And of course, Helvetic, who is possibly the, the best E2 customer in the world right now, mm. um, operated the first E190E2 to London City. Um, and before I talk about the flight, I've just got to talk about the paperwork. My goodness, yeah. <laughs> it was just insane. You mm. know, I've, I've gone all my life being a paperless flyer with a, an app on my phone that I can scan to get on the pl flight. And, you know, the only bit of paper you need is your passport. But, um, you know, nowadays you have to print out so many things. Things, your passenger locator forms and test results and oh my goodness it was just crazy so mm. uh, it felt like going back in time <laughs> back to the 90s when you had to travel with a great folder full of documents but um, anyway I made it to Zurich and I, I made it to uh, to meet the guys that were going to be um, mm. celebrating this flight and what was really cool was that there at the departure, we had um, not only representatives of Helvetic, but also the OEM, Embraer had sent their guys, um, hmm. and London City Airport had sent their chief commercial officer. So it was really a trifecta of awesome opinions and analysis yeah. on why this was so important. Um, you know, it's it's a type, Embraer's been flying the E190E jet into London City for the longest time, but mm. the E2 is such a game-changing aircraft, it's clearly very important to all three of those those people. So we had Helvetic's own CEO, Tobias Pogravec there, um, the CCO for London City, which is Richard Hill, um, and in Zurich there was Embraer's Vice President of Sales and Marketing for EMEA, uh, Caesar Perina. Um and for Helvetic, this was an honour because they were restoring a route that has been suspended since April 2020. Mm. Uh, previously, Swiss was operating its A220 into London City. Um, but with demand still relatively thin, you know, the highly efficient E190 is perfect for a restart. And it was treated as a bit, a bit of a route launch. You know, we got a water cannon salute on arrival, um, a commemorative luggage tag. And actually, the flight was entirely sold out, suggesting mm. that the demand is going to be there for this London City flight. 
So, you know, why was it so special? Why was it so unusual? Well, as I'm sure many people will know, London City requires a steep approach. So this means the aircraft is coming in at around five degrees instead of the usual three Hmm. or thereabouts. Um, That might not sound like such a huge difference, but it actually turns the descent rate of around 800 feet a minute into one of about 1,000 or 1,200 feet a minute. Hmm. And also your descent begins much closer into the airport. So you're, you're starting to to really come in on approach at three miles rather than eight miles out. Um, So, you know, it requires the aircraft to be capable and the pilot. Hmm. The E190E2 is capable. In fact, it had flown into London City back in 2018. Um, But this was just a demonstration flight flown by expert Embraer pilots Hmm. with no passengers on board. Um, To have it uh, for a regular service with passengers, it requires some modification. And for the plane... I was fascinated by this. It requires the adding of a steep approach button. And uh, this literally is a button that has a sign above it saying steep approach. (laughs) And this basically tells the fly-by-wire system that the pilot intends to perform a steep approach. And it unlocks specific configurations on the E2, such as the full flaps and these um, wingtop spoilers, which helps together to maintain their speed for the steep descent. Mm. Um, Embraer has specifically designed this configuration to mean that the aircraft maintains a similar attitude to a regular landing. Obviously, this is much better for the pilots because they maintain visibility um, and for the passengers as well, because they're not coming in at a really funny, really uncomfortable angle. Um, But of course, the pilots need training as well. Um, Helvetic currently has about 140 pilots on roll and all but the very most recent recruits are already capable of landing at City. um, And they want to rectify that and have 100% of pilots capable of landing at City. Um, very soon. But for City Airport as well, the E2 is a critical aircraft. They're so delighted to have it there. Um, most importantly, it's much, much quieter than its predecessor. Um, you know, and for London City, noise is a massive issue. Yeah. Um, the Not only is the aircraft a bit quieter in itself, I think I've spoken about how quiet the E2 is mm. on the podcast before and yeah, brought it death. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it has a 63% smaller noise footprint at London City. Mm. That means that for the people People that can hear it, the number of people that can hear it are 63% less um, and they hear it much quieter anyway. So, you know, it kind of ticks loads of boxes in terms yeah. of keeping the, the environment um, maintained around the airport. Uh, it's also got a much lower fuel burn, which we know um, and the airport said that, you know, they're keen to attract more low carb- carbon aircraft to the facility and to do that, they've used their COVID downtime to accelerate their investment in facilities, which they hmm. kind of targeted towards the E2 so, for example, they've built eight new stands, which are kind of designed for e-jets. They can accommodate other things as well, but they're really for the e-jets. And a full-length taxiway, mm. which completely eliminates the need for aircraft to turn around and taxi back either before or after landing. Um, so, before COVID, they were limited to around 38 movements an hour. Those changes that they've made now takes it up to about 45. Um, so, you know, London City, it's got kind of a growth problem, if you like. They're, they're limited to only handling 6.5 million passengers a year. Hmm. So they can't grow capacity in terms of bringing bigger aircraft in or, you know, having lots of people packed onto a plane. But they can grow by adding frequency. Yeah. And this is exactly what they're doing with the smaller aircraft like the E-190. Hmm. So uh, I have to say, I was really impressed with the 
plane. It was super comfortable. I love, love, love the 2-2 layout. You know, everybody should be doing this because it's so much better than having middle seats. Um, And yeah, it was a great flight. And I'm just really pleased to have been off the ground once again. (laughs) Well, that sounds very fun and I'm very jealous of you, but I'm looking forward to my... (laughs) coming flights um one i did want to sort of close just quickly by talking about a really fun livery that i saw um this week and it's the latest airbus a320 neo that's set to go to azul but if you just looked at the side of it and missed the azul written on it you would be wondering whose airplane it is because it's not (laughs) wearing the azul livery instead it's wearing a mickey mouse livery Um, that's really cool i saw some photos it looks awesome (laughs) yeah well i think it's great because the fuselage of this aircraft looks exactly like the mickey mouse spatula that i bought at disneyland recently so um, (laughs) it's even down to the little um the the trouser buttons that he's got Uh, and on the uh, the tail you've just got a big sort of smiling uh 2d cartoonish mickey mouse so i just thought that was really awesome and i recommend that anyone who hasn't seen it goes on to simple flying just type in mickey mouse in the search and you'll find it um (laughs) And it was really interesting because I kind of got into sort of a big wormhole of research and I found out that Azul is not the only aircraft uh, that's got a sort of Disney-inspired livery. So I I did some digging and just briefly I'm going to run through them because I'm Mm. sure people are wanting to get on with their lives now. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of 737s that have been Disneyfied, if I can use that as a word. Um, so there's a China Eastern 737-800 in uh, Shanghai that has a frozen livery, and that's also advertising Shanghai Disney Resort. Then Alaska Airlines has a 737-800 that wears a Toy Story livery, and that's advertising Pixar Pier, which is a themed area at the California Adventure theme park. WestJet has uh, Mickey in his sort of outfit from the Sorcerer's Apprentice in Fantasia, um, shooting fireworks at the castle, and that's Walt Disney World, like the Azul aircraft. And then there was, of course, the Millennium Falcon with um, Virgin Atlantic on the side of the 747, but that was incredibly short-lived because they didn't realize when they put it on that they were going to say goodbye to the airplane a couple of months later. Um Star Wars is a big theme on um, planes. So there's another 737-800 with United that celebrates the film Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. And that's the one with the red and the blue, depending on which side you're on. It's got the light side and the dark side, yeah. hasn't it? And I believe it's replicated on the interior as yeah, well, is. which is so really cool. You can got... choose if you sit on the light side or the dark side. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then sort of finally, this of course is not an exhaustive list, but there's also a trio of... ANA wide bodies that have droid liveries from Star Wars. So you've got a 787 in an R2D2 livery, and then there's a 777 in a BB8 livery, and finally a 777-200ER in a golden C3PO livery. So you Love know, the C3PO triple seven mm, is gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. So lots of Disney and lots of Star Wars, but there's way more Disney planes. And if you find an interesting one. Send it across to us. We do love a special livery. Mm. So the Azul one, is that promoting kind of Disney World Florida? Yeah, Disney World in Florida. So I guess, um, like, typically it kind of makes sense that China Easterns is based in Shanghai because it's advertising Shanghai. But um, I guess for Azul, maybe it's saying if you connect at one of our hubs, we can take you to (laughs) I was going to say, they they don't fly to Orlando, do they? Um, Well, they must do. Otherwise, it would really... I don't know why they'd have it if they weren't (laughs) flying there, but we'll see. 
yeah, we'll see. I'll, I'll look into it and let Watch you know. Watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> As we like to say. Well, mm. Tom, enjoy your vacation. I I'm will. envious that you're going somewhere where there's sunshine. <laughs> um, but I think that's about all we've got time for on today's podcast. So we hope you enjoyed it and we welcome any feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.